Book Two, Chapter Two of A Class Book of Old Testament History. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Class Book of Old Testament History by George Frederick McClear. Book Two, Chapter Two The Life of Abraham Continued. Genesis 15 through 25. B.C. 1913 to 1822. We now enter on another and a different scene in the history of Abram. He had been victorious over the Assyrian kings. He had gotten him honor as the prompt avenger of injustice and oppression before the chiefs of the land in which he was a pilgrim and a sojourner. He had been solemnly blessed by the king of righteousness, but where was the fulfillment of the promise for which he had so long been waiting? He had no son, no single pledge of the mighty nation, destined to spring from his loins. When, therefore, his all-merciful God appeared to him again in a vision, to assure him of safety and protection, he could not restrain the deep sorrow of his heart, and mournfully complained that in place of a son, one born in his house, probably Eliezer of Damascus would be his heir. On this occasion the Almighty not only solemnly assured his desponding servant, that a son should be born to him, an earnest of a seed as numerous as the stars of heaven, and that the land in which he walked should undoubtedly be their inheritance. But as in the case of Noah after the flood, he vouchsafed to him an outward and visible sign. To strengthen and support his faith, he bade the patriarch take a heifer, a ram, and a she-goat, each three years old, together with a turtle-dove and a young pigeon, and after dividing them all, except the birds, to lay them piece by piece over against the other. Familiar, doubtless, with this ancient method of ratifying a covenant, Abram did as the Lord had told him, slew the victims, and laid the divided portions in order. Then from morning until evening he watched them, and from time to time drove away the birds of prey which hovered over them. At length the sun went down, and a deep sleep fell upon him, and a horror of great darkness gathered around him. Amidst the deepening gloom there appeared to him a smoking furnace and a burning lamp passing along the space between the divided victims. Presently a voice came to him, telling him that his seed should be a stranger in a land that was not theirs, that there they should suffer affliction four hundred years, that afterwards in the fourth generation, when the cup of the Amorites was full, they should come out with great substance, return to the spot where the patriarch now was, and enter on their promised inheritance. Thus, amidst mingled light and gloom, the ancestor of the elect nation was warned of the checkered fortunes which awaited his progeny, while at the same time he was assured of the ultimate fulfillment of the promise, and the actual boundaries of the lands of his inheritance were marked out from the river of Egypt to the distant Euphrates, and in this confidence Abram was content to possess his soul in patience. Luke 21.19. As yet it will be observed, it had not been expressly said that his wife Sarai was the destined mother of the long-promised son. As the prospect, therefore, of her contributing to the fulfillment of the promise became more and more remote, she seems to have concluded that this honor was not reserved for her, and accordingly persuaded her husband to take her handmaid, Hagar, an Egyptian, as a secondary wife that by her he might obtain what was denied herself. Abram complied with her suggestion, and Hagar conceived, 
but the consequence did not tend to increase the patriarch's happiness. In a moment of elation, Hagar mocked her mistress, and Sarai dealt harshly with her, till she fled from her into the southern wilderness, on the way that led to her native land. There, as she halted near a fountain of water, an angel of the Lord met her and bade her return and submit herself to her mistress, assuring her at the same time that she should give birth to a son, whom she was to call Ishmael, whom God hears. Though the son of a bondwoman, Galatians 4, 22 and 23, no mean future lay before him. He should become the ancestor of a numerous seed, who, like himself, would be true roving sons of the desert, their hand against every man, and every man's hand against them. In remembrance of this incident, Hagar named the fountain Bir Lahai Roy, the well of the god that appeareth, and returned to the tents of Sarai, where in process of time she gave birth to Ishmael, when Abram was eighty-six years old. Again thirteen years rolled away, and still the promise was not fulfilled, but when hope might almost have ceased to hope, God appeared once more to Abram, recapitulated the main outline of the covenant promise, changed his name from Abram, a high father, to Abraham, the father of a multitude, and assured him that at length the long-expected time was well-nigh come, but in prospect of the peculiar blessing about to be bestowed upon him, he himself and all his seed after him must carry about with them a perpetual pledge of their covenant relation to Jehovah. The rite of circumcision must now be adopted by him, and instead of being the badge of any favored class among the nation destined to spring from his loins, was on pain of excommunication to be open to the lowliest member of the Hebrew commonwealth, even to the bondservant and the stranger. At the same time it was intimated to the patriarch that his wife Sarai, whose name also was now changed to Sarah, princess, and no other, was to be the mother of the promised child, that it would be born during the next year, and be called Isaac, laughter, while Ishmael also, for whom Abraham had prayed, would not be forgotten, but be a partaker in the divine blessing, and become the father of twelve princes, the ancestors of a great nation. Thereupon Abraham complied with the divine command, and was circumcised, together with Ishmael, now thirteen years of age, and all the male members of his household. Shortly after this, as the patriarch sat, in the heat of the day, under the oak of Mamre, he received a visit from three mysterious strangers, whom he entertained with becoming hospitality. The meal over, which he had hastily prepared, one of them inquired for his wife, and formally announced that within the year she would be the mother of a son. His words were overheard by Sarah, and she laughed incredulously at the possibility of such an event, but was thereupon reproved by the speaker, and assured in a still more confident manner of the fulfillment of his word. Then the three left the tent and turned their steps eastward toward Sodom. Abraham accompanied them, and on the way one of them, in whom he recognized no other than the angel of the covenant, informed him of the real purport of this visit to the cities where his nephew Lot had taken up his abode. The sin of these cities was very great, and their cup was now full. Their inhabitants had wearied themselves with wickedness, and their licentiousness and iniquity called to heaven for a visible revelation of divine wrath and judgment was now even at the door. Informed of the impending doom, the friend of God drew near, and with marvelous boldness, blended with the deepest humility, 
pleaded with the Almighty for the guilty cities. Per adventure, there might be found therein at least fifty or forty-five or forty or thirty or twenty or even ten righteous souls. Would the Lord of all the earth spare them for ten's sake? Thereupon he was assured that if only ten righteous souls could be found, the cities should be spared. While he was thus pleading with God, the two other angels entered Sodom, and were hospitably entertained by Lot. But their celestial beauty only served to excite the wickedness of the inhabitants who surrounded Lot's house, and in spite of his earnest expostulations, would have offered them personal violence had they not been suddenly stricken with blindness. As the night wore on, his visitors assured Lot of the certain destruction of the city, and warned him to gather together with all speed every member of his family if he would save them from the impending judgment. Lot did as he was advised, but his warning was lost upon his sons-in-law and his daughters-in-law, and he seemed unto them as one that mocked. When the day dawned, the angels broke off any further delay by laying hold on him and his wife and his two daughters, and having dragged them forth beyond the city, bade them flee to their neighboring mountain range if they would not be consumed. But thither Lot was afraid to flee, and in compliance with his urgent entreaty was permitted to betake himself to the town of Bella, or Zoar, little, on the southern extremity of the Dead Sea. The sun rose as he entered the city of refuge, and then the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire out of heaven, and utterly swept away, by an awful convulsion, every trace of the guilty cities and their inhabitants, the sight of which became henceforth a perpetual desolation. Few as were the remnants of this fearful overthrow, yet one of these few failed to reach the little city of refuge. In spite of the angel's reiterated warning, Lot's wife lingered, looked back, and caught by the advancing sulphurous tide, was smothered as she stood, and became a pillar of salt. Genesis 19.26 and Luke 17.32 As for Lot himself, afraid to dwell even in Zoar, he fled with his two daughters to the eastern mountains, and became the father of two sons, Moab and Ben-Ami, the ancestors of two powerful nations, the Moabites and the Ammonites. Shortly after this terrible judgment, Abraham left the oak of Mamre, where he had so long encamped, and journeyed in a southern direction towards Gerar, between Kadesh and Shur, at that time the principal seat of the Philistines, whose chief was known by the hereditary title of Abimelech, or Father King. Under the same apprehensions which he had felt when drawing nigh to Egypt, Abraham wished that Sarah should pass for his sister, and again exposed her to eminent risk. But as before, the Lord mercifully intervened, and the Philistine chief restored his wife to the patriarch, together with ample presence. Genesis twenty fourteen through 16 At length the time had come for which Abraham, now upwards of one hundred years of age, had so long waited. Either at Gerar or Beersheba, Sarah gave birth to the child of promise, who was duly circumcised on the eighth day and named Isaac, laughter, according to the divine command. At the feast given on the occasion of his weaning, Ishmael mocked or in some way insulted the child. This act observed by Sarah roused all her animosity, and she demanded the instant dismissal of the boy and his mother. Though sorely against his will, Abraham, advised by God, yielded to his wife, 
and early on the following morning hagar and her son were sent away to wander in the wilderness of beersheba in a short time the water in her skin bottle was spent and the boy tormented with thirst seemed at the point of death unable to endure the sight of his sufferings hagar laid him under the shade of the desert shrubs and sat down about a bowshot off but the boy was not thus to die god heard his cry and the angel of the lord called to hagar out of heaven and bade her not despair at the same time her eyes were opened to discern a well of water with which she filled her bottle and gave the lad drink thus his life was preserved and he grew and prospered and dwelled in the wild desert of paran near mount sinai and was renowned for his skill in the use of the bow marrying an egyptian he became the father of twelve sons and one daughter genesis twenty five thirteen through fifteen twenty eight nine and thirty six three the ancestors of the chief portion of the wild arab tribes living by warlike forays and plunder their hand against every man and every man's hand against them meanwhile abraham was living in peace and security feared and respected by his philistine neighbors in the south country near beersheba when a far keener trial befell him than any he had yet experienced the call from his own country the famine that drove him into egypt the desertion of lot the long deferring of the promised seed the separation from ishmael all these had been sore trials to flesh and blood but now when the hope of his life seemed at length to have been gained he was commanded to take his son his only son isaac a three days journey into the land of moriah and offer him up as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that should be shown him utterly inexplicable as this command must have seemed and indescribably painful to his feelings the patriarch's trust in god did not falter assured that he who had called him into being could if it pleased him raise up his son even from the dead hebrews eleven nineteen he rose up early in the morning clave the wood for the sacrifice saddled his ass and with two young men and isaac commenced his journey on the third day he lifted up his eyes and beheld the spot afar off thereupon leaving the young men behind he laid the wood upon his son and with a fire in his hand and a knife ascended the mountain to the spot of which god had told him marvelling that no victim had been brought but assured that a lamb would be provided for a burnt offering isaac accompanied his father to the summit and when the altar had been built and the wood laid thereon submitted without a murmur to be bound and placed upon it another moment and the father's hand was actually outstretched to slay his son when a voice from heaven arrested him and bade him forbear to proceed further seeing that the end for which this mysterious trial had been sent was now gained for abraham had not withheld his only son but given proof of his willingness to surrender even him to the divine call at the same moment the patriarch looked and beheld behind him a ram caught in a thicket by its horns which he took and offered as a burnt offering instead of his son in memory of this eventful day he named the place jehovah jerah i e jehovah will see or provide and again received the assurance of the divine blessing upon himself and his future descendants who should be multiplied as the stars of heaven and as the sand upon the seashore become the channel of blessings to all the nations of the earth this is the culminating point in abraham's life implicit trust in the most high 
unfaltering obedience to his will had never been more signally displayed and his faith was counted to him for righteousness romans four three and nine from this time his course was calm and peaceful leaving beersheba he turned northwards and once more abode under the oak of marmory here he lost the partner of his long and eventful career at the age of one hundred and twenty-seven the only instance in which the age of a woman is recorded in scripture sarah died and was laid in the cave of the field of machbella a spot now covered by the mosque of hebron which abraham bought for four hundred shekels of silver for a possession of a burying place of ephron the hittite so deep was the respect of the children of heath for the mighty prince who had so long lived among them that in spite of the usual oriental jealousy on this point they would willingly have permitted him to bury his dead in the choicest of their own sepulchres but this abraham declined and the cave of machpelah with the surrounding field was made over to him for a possession forever three years afterwards anxious to prevent an alliance between his son and any of the canaanitish nations he sent the eldest servant of his house probably eliezer of damascus into mesopotamia to the city of nahor his brother to procure from thence a wife for him his servant faithfully discharged his commission and the piety he displayed reflecting the goodness of the patriarch himself was rewarded at a well outside the city of haran he met rebekah the daughter of bethuel the son of nahor going forth with her pitcher on her shoulder to draw water in answer to his inquiry she told him who she was and conducted him to the house of her brother laban there he recounted all that had befallen his master in the land of his pilgrimage and made known the purpose of his errand rebekah when asked by her brother and mother announced her readiness to accompany the servant to the tents of abraham and in the course of time became isaac's wife genesis twenty four before long abraham himself also married again and by keturah his second wife became the father of six children zimran jokshan medan midian ishbak and shua genesis twenty five two the ancestors of arabian and midianitish tribes lest they should dispute the inheritance with isaac the prudent patriarch while he yet lived presented them with gifts and sent them away into the southeast country genesis twenty five six where their descendants settled along the borders of the Hellenitic gulf in considerable numbers and then the father of the faithful the friend of god being one hundred and seventy-five years old had reached the term of life allotted to him in a good old age and full of years he was gathered unto his people and was laid by isaac and ishmael also who had come up from the wild desert of paran to assist in these last sad offices by the side of his beloved sarah in the cave of machpelah end of book two chapter two